killed in the streets. The time that this person is wasting doing nothing is creating something in their mind that is not real, that is irrational. When you start thinking and considering the, th the thoughts that come to your mind all the time that you are doing nothing, just consider this. I have a, a, a person that told me, uh, I, I feel that I haven't been in church for, for a long time, and they just missed one week. When, when we are believers, when we understand what Jesus has accomplished for us at the cross, when we understand the importance of the body, and we skip church, I mean, because of a good reason, not just for skipping church, but if you don't attend church, you feel like, I miss church, and I miss my people, and I miss my family. Have you ever felt that before? Sometimes when you are away from church, when you are isolated from church, from the people that are helping you to grow in the Lord, then some thoughts start to develop in your mind. And those thoughts are going to be against your growth in the Lord. So it's important that we understand that laziness will distort your mind. I'm not equating missing church one week with laziness. I just want to be sure. I want to make sure that we understand that when we have a tendency or when there is a tendency of laziness, it will distort our mind, our way of thinking. Irrationality will reign in our thoughts. And that's why it's important that we understand this. Verse 14, it says, As a door turns on it, on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. A door goes nowhere. It stays the same place. It's either open or closed. It will stay in the same position. It's describing the sluggard. It's describing the lazy person. The only thing that can change is that it's going to be on, on bed, on your I mean, like this or like that. There's no other change to that. So laziness will keep you in the same cycle, will keep you going around circles and will not bring any kind of growth in your life. Verse 15, it says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Here, Solomon is uh, the, the, the sage or the person, the writer here is using a language of mockery. He's mocking a lazy person. And, and think about it. Have you ever heard of someone that is starving, but because doesn't want to stand up and cook something, prefer to, stir, to stay in that way? I've heard that before. And sometimes that happens. The language here is, is one of mockery. It's saying that person can have, a lazy person can have a plate full of food, but just moving their hands to bring that food to our mouth is going to be work. It's interesting, brothers and sisters, that sometimes we open scriptures 
And sometimes we have access to the Bible like that. The Word of God is what feeds our soul. We cannot live without the Word of God, and sometimes we have it like that. We have it on the phone. We have it like 25 different versions of the Bible and, and translations. And sometimes we have that attitude of it is so hard to just open and read it and bring it into my mind and bring it into my heart. Verse 16, it says, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So what it's saying here is that laziness will keep you blind to the truth, will keep you blind from the reality of our sinful nature. Let's be careful with the stereotype of laziness because when we think about laziness, maybe we're thinking about the stereotype of this 35-year-old man that is living in the basement of their parents with a beer and a big bag of Doritos, right? Sometimes that is the first picture that comes to our mind. But there's some things of laziness that also attack us. And it's part of our sinful nature, and we need to be aware of it. Sometimes we're not being that kind of lazy of that person, but sometimes we have wrong priorities. Sometimes we're not dedicating the time that we should in some areas that are going to be beneficial and that are priorities to God. Some other times we have plenty of ideas. We start something a new project here, a new project there, but we don't finish anything. So those are also ways that laziness is attacking us. Also, another picture of laziness will be distractions and entertainment. How much time we're waiting, I mean, we're wasting on things that are not essential, that are not going to matter in future. Procrastination will be another kind of laziness that we have. Not being responsible will be another kind of laziness that we have in our life. So those are things that maybe it's not the stereotypical kind of laziness, but those are things that we might be doing in our own life that we need to be aware and that we need to bring to the Lord in repentance. Let's continue. Laziness will embarrass you and will lead you to a path of destruction in which you will be spiritually numb and in a complete apathy to the Lord. Now, apply this to your spiritual life. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear, children, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, let's go back to chapter 6, to the example that brings the sage to the sluggard. It's saying, go to the ant. Take a look at the ant. So the ant is, uh, of course, everybody knows the ant, especially when you stand on a when you have a few of them, like, um, so every, every one of us has experienced ants in our lives. Uh, so ants are wise, exceedingly wise. Proverbs 30, 
It says, four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. So ants are wise. Just think about like a fire hose. One is taking water from wisdom. The other one is taking water from Lady Folly, as Daniel uh, preached a few weeks ago. So Lady Folly will give a water that is a water of laziness. Wisdom will give us work and will give us rejoice, like joy in the work that we do. Ants are consistent. It says, consider her ways. The sage is so sure that whenever that person is going to take a look at the ants, the ant is going to be doing what they are called to do. They are consistent. Verse 7, it says, without having any chief officer or ruler, ants are proactive leaders. What do I mean by that? They don't need a ruler over them telling them what to do. They take action. They understand a bigger purpose and motive and don't need a ruler telling them what to do all the time. Verse 8, it says, She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Clarification. This verse is not a calling to be a workaholic. This is not to focus in work so much that you forget about everything else. Like the author of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 3, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Time to be born and time to die and time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, on and on and on. There is a time for everything here on earth. Ants understands that. They understand that there are specific times to work really hard. There is specific time for harvest. There is specific time to prepare for low seasons. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, don't expect to be in a crisis to prepare spiritually. You need to prepare now for the hard times. Maybe you are not in those times but maybe you are. But if you're not, prepare for that. We need to grow. There's going to be times of suffering. There's going to be times, times of tra tragedy. There's going to be times of every single kind, and we need to be prepared. Don't wait until the moment, moment comes to prepare yourself. As Christians, we should work hard in your jobs, at the house, at church, in community, we should prepare ourselves, saving, checking on how are we doing and managing our time, investing, investing your money wisely, but also investing time in others, discipling others. We should have a mindset of a disciple. We should keep our minds open to learn all the time, and we should be consistent in our walk, in our life, to live according to the sound doctrine. Ants are submissive to the purpose of their creator. It's interesting 
what, what's in here because we don't see work like that. Sometimes, and, and I'm guilty of it, I, I have experienced having like a big celebration Friday afternoon and big depression Sunday night because I have to work the next day. So I, I, I miss that. But how, how, if, how if we see work the way God sees work? What if we understand that work is not a result of the fall in Genesis 3? What if we understand that work preceded the fall? That work is not a result of humankind's fall into sin. Work is central in Genesis 1 and 2. Work is a gift from God. Philip Holmes said it this way, Work is something we were built for, something our loving creator intends for our good. It's certainly true that the curse of Genesis 3 brought toil and futility into work. Ever since, our experience of work involves pain as well as pleasure. Brothers and sisters, we need to rejoice in work. Why? Because God works. God works in creation. God work revealing himself to us. God work in redemption, in salvation, in saving us. God work in the providence, keeping us to himself. God works in preserving every one of us that are in him. Don't let Lady Folly influence you on the way you see and experience work. Hear this. We were created to give him glory through our lives in everything that we do. That the way you work adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's hands work, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me continue in verse 9. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? This is the same vocabulary that the captain screamed at Jonah when the storm arised. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. This is some of the same similar language that is in Ephesians 5. 14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Then verse 10 and 11 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. This is not saying that it should that poverty is only a result of folly. What he's saying here is that the fruit of a lazy lifestyle is the lack of provision when it's most needed. That is the poverty in verse 11. In closing, I'm going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 and 23 and 24. And I pray that this is 
the attitude and the approach that we get every single day for work. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I pray that we approach work every single day as an opportunity to glorify and worship our God with our eyes fixed in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your work, for what you have accomplished for us, and guide us every single day so we can live a life that glorifies you in every single area. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.